Hi, this is Stephen Ambrose, Senior Pastor at Wapak Naz. I want to welcome you to the Wapak Naz podcast. We hope and pray that this message goes deep into your DNA, is encouraging, relevant to your life, a means for you to engage with God and experience His love, and moves you to impact your world. We at Wapak Naz believe firmly that you matter to God. We are glad that you are taking the risk to engage with Him today. Wapak Naz is love people loving people to Jesus, and it takes people to partner with us to be on mission and bring this message to our community, the region, and the world. If you would like to financially partner with Wapak Naz to love people to Jesus, join us by going to our website at wapaknaz.org and becoming a financial partner. We thank you, we pray for you, we love you, and enjoy the message. If you, if you notice, we, we grew by about, I don't know, maybe 13 people uh, in the midst of our prayer. Um, welcome back to our teenagers. Uh, and our youth pastor, maybe, wherever he is, maybe he ran away. You're right there. Hey, there you are. What's up? Do you need Prozac? Do you need any medication from the weekend that you, you spent with our teenagers? Okay. <laughs> Not that he can share publicly. Wow. Uh, well, welcome back to those of you that were part of our fall retreat. Uh, we are so glad that you showed up. <laughs> uh, man, hey, good morning. Uh, it, is, it is truly, it's always an honor uh, to be with you um, here at Wapak Naz. And so uh, I would suggest today that, that, uh, that either you pull out your phone or this newfangled thing called a writing utensil um, and, and, and take some notes today. Um, today is one of those moments that had I learned this early on in my life as a follower of Jesus, I probably wouldn't have had dealt with a lot of guilt um, in some areas. And I wish somebody would have taught this to me way early. You know what I mean? Um, and so we're, we're, we're going to go through a lot of scriptures today. They will be on the screen. Uh, they will be referenced for you. Um, so here at Wapak Naz, um, we, uh, twice a year, we have this thing called a DNA class. And our DNA class is two Saturdays for two hours each Saturday. It's jam-packed with our story as a church. Um, as I mentioned earlier, that we started out of two families getting together and praying. And it's jam-packed of, with our story as staff and, and your story. And, and how you, you fit into that and the role that you play in, in the present, but also in writing the future. It, it also comes with a tour, by the way. That's an added bonus. Uh, and, and then we also talk about how Wapak Naz this little puzzle piece that is Wapak Naz fits into the, the big jigsaw puzzle of the Nazarene denomination and how we all fit into this humongous vision that God has for His kingdom and the local church and how those two play a part. And at the end of, of these two Saturdays, uh, we don't assume that those that are taking the class want to become members here at Wapak Naz. Again, it's for the curious of Wapak Naz as well, or those that want to transfer their membership. We actually hand them an application. 
uh, for membership because the bar is high for membership. And again, we don't want to assume anything. And on that application, if you just take a very quick glance at those few pages, you'll see, and it's up on the screen, our focus is your heart. This is the bottom section of the first page of our application for membership, and it really focuses on spiritual practices, personal and corporate, whether it's God's Word, meditation, silence and solitude, um, worship at a personal level, um, and how often do you do these things? Do you have somebody that sharpens you? Do you have somebody that's in your life that's growing you as an individual? And do you have anybody in your life that you're growing them as well? Um, our focus is your heart. And some of this stuff may be new for folks, and they may not even think about this stuff, but that's why we kind of ask that question. Well, about this last this October, seven of you joined in that that DNA class. And about a week or so after that, I, I got an application from, from one of those seven. And in fact, that application came from one of our teenagers, Travis Link. Travis the Missing Link. You didn't know that you were missing Travis until you met him. Um, but, <laughs> and, and I, I just want to be clear right now, um, None of these membership applications get seen by anybody else but Matthew and myself. And so I actually asked Travis, Travis, do you mind if I share this with, with our congregation? And he was like, sweet, sure thing, thumbs up, you're good. So I got his application, and the top of the application actually asks the question, the first question is, have you, have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And you can see that he put on there, yes. And then... What was really exciting is that he wrote, uh, when the question says, when, he wrote this August, this past August, uh, Travis received Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. He's a new believer, and he came to Christ through our youth group, and actually on the very end of this, this month, on November 27th or 28th, whatever Sunday that is, I would really highly encourage you to be here because Travis and Nathan Wisner are, are going to share some of their story and how Travis came to Christ. And you do not want to miss that story. But enough said with that. There's my plug there for you. Very end of the month. Um, on the backside of that first sheet, there's other questions. For our local church, for Wapak Naz, do you, do you attend here? How often do you attend here? Um, because we really want to want you to know that it's not attendance; it's participation. Your presence is important. And are you are you being a spiritual contributor, not just a consumer? Right. And you can see the highlighted question there. It says, "Do you tithe or do you regularly tithe?" Well, Travis, I love his answer because it's genuine. And it's honest, and I was just baffled. I actually had to take a double take. And he said, don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. I mean, quite frankly, Travis could have read that question, didn't know what it was, and didn't write anything on the line, and just ignored it. But he wrote, I don't know what it is. 
Isn't that the case with new believers, right? Or new followers to Jesus? There are a lot of things that we don't know, right? A lot of things that we don't know. And I, I just want to point out the very top. The question is, is uh, on average, how often do you attend Wapak Nass? He says, when I can, almost every Sunday. Paul said, don't let anyone look down upon you because you are young, but be the example. Our teenagers, man, whew, they are becoming the example for you and me, and they are challenging us in our faith. Travis and his application challenged me as a pastor, as a believer and follower of Jesus Christ, that, that there are some times that we have these terminologies within church that folks don't understand. They may sit and go, uh-huh, 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 but behind their nod, they're going, they're looking at you like you're speaking an alien language. They have no idea what you're saying. You've had those conversations with people, haven't you? Don't look at me like you've never had those conversations. We all have those conversations. Well, today, I think it's really important that we have this conversation about his question. I don't know what it is. And honestly, I think a lot of us who may be a part of the church may understand a little bit about what it is, but don't understand what it means and why it is. Because it's really not what it is, it's the why that's so important, right? It's the why behind what we do that's more important than what we do. Because when you have a why, and you're pulled in all different directions, and you're pushed in all different directions, with that why, it will keep you focused like a rifle, rather than like a shotgun spreading everywhere you go, right? So today, we're going to take a journey. And there's some stories that we're going to end with that are really, really important that are going to just knock your socks off because I love it. I love it. So we got to set some foundation because it's all about the why. And what's the why behind the tithe? The why behind the tithe is the honor. It's the honoring of the Lord. See, way back in the day, when the Israelites were becoming a nation, and they were moving out of captivity that God had delivered them from Israelite captivity, he started to set some standards about how humanity and how the Israelites were to connect with him and to worship him. And one of those things was in what they bring to him. And in Deuteronomy 16, he says, no man, no woman, no person should appear before the Lord empty-handed. Then he says, each of you must bring a gift in proportion to the way that God has blessed you. In proportion. Your gift is in proportion to the way he blessed you. Paul, that Christian killer turned church planner and discipler of Jesus, he actually picked up on this. And he talked about this in reference to not only gifts, but giftings you and i have giftings and he, he said this we we have different gifts you and i have different gifts according to the grace given to us by god right if a man's gift is prophesying and then watch what he says let him or her use it in proportion to his faith meaning as your faith increases man that gift needs to be sharpened and honed and used 
consistently and often. He says it about serving and encouraging, about contributing to other people, leadership and showing mercy. But the point is, using it in proportion to your faith. God asks you and me in our worship to bring to Him what is given by Him to Him in proportion. It's really, a better word to say this is, it's a reasonable portion. A godly portion. He's not asking for anything unreasonable, but He's asking for us to bring to Him in honor of Him, devoted to Him, a reasonable portion that will honor Him in proportion to what He has blessed you. We give out of what God has given us. He tells us that our ability to develop wealth comes from Him. The breath that you have in your lungs comes from Him. And so He's asking that we provide Him a reasonable proportion, a reasonable proportion in proportion to what He's given us. It's a godly portion. And I think this is a fair thing. It's a reasonable thing. And it, it works for all of us. Jesus speaks to this a little bit. There's a moment and the last week of Jesus' crucifixion, before he, he, he cru- is crucified, he goes into the temple with his disciples. And he actually sits opposite of the treasury. And he sees a, a widow, a poor widow, a woman that has lost her husband, has no one to care for her. We don't even know her name. But she does not remain unnoticed by God. In fact, Jesus watches how everybody is watching the treasure, everybody's in the treasury, putting in their coins, the rich folk, and he notices this poor widow. He says, she puts in her mites, which are only worth a fraction of a penny. And Jesus pulls his disciples in, and he says, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, she gave out of her poverty, put in everything, and all that she had to live on. Now, I don't know if Jesus is using common core math here to do his calculations. I mean, I've seen common core. It's really complicated, right? And you get to answers that, how did they get there? How does Jesus get here? She put in more than all the others. Didn't God say a reasonable portion, right? In proportion to what He's given and blessed you and trusted you? Well, if you look a little bit closer, because Jesus looked very close at what she gave, there's some lessons that, that we pull out of here. And the first thing that we need to be very, very aware of and always remember is God first looks at the heart of the giver, not the hand of the giver. I think we need to repeat that. He first looks at the heart of the giver, not the hand, folks. 
not the hand. I often looked at the hand in my early days. I rarely looked at my heart as I gave. So let's go back to Jesus' common core math for a second. How in the world does she give more than all the others, especially the wealthy folk, that were dropping Benjamins left and right, or drachma as the case may be? Percentage matters to God. She gave more than all the others. And how did she give more? Because Jesus was looking at the proportion that she gave, the portion that she gave in proportion to what she was blessed with, what she had, what she was entrusted with. And what portion did she give? 100% of all that she had. Right? Percentage matters to God. A reasonable portion in proportion to what he has blessed us with. And percentage matters. Now, like I said, I wish I would have learned this way earlier. Because everything in my mind was unreasonable. Unreasonable. One, I felt guilty when they passed the plate of guilt. Right? I know, right? It's a really awkward moment, isn't it? They pass that plate of guilt, and you go, and you just hand it on to somebody else. You're like, I don't know what to do here, especially if you're a guest, and you've never been in that church before. You're like, holy moly, I don't, here's some lint. All right? And yet, <laughs> great. For me, as a new believer, living off of $9.36 an hour with a college degree, or... When I got the raise at a different job, $11.11 an hour and had a mortgage, or when I was working two jobs to make ends meet, or three jobs to have a little extra, I felt a couple things when I was giving. One, I felt that very guilty because I was giving so little in proportion to what everybody else was giving. And two, I thought that I should be giving out of what I didn't have. Oh, I wish I could give more. God is not a God of guilt. That's on us. And I wasn't learning certain things. This reasonable portion for principle, I wish I would have learned it because it frees us up. It frees you. God just wants you to honor Him with what He has given you, right? And he says, percentage matters. When he looked at the widow, the percentage mattered. He looked at her heart, too. Jesus never asked anyone except one person, one, in the entire Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, never asked anyone except one person to give everything. He asked the rich young ruler who was stockpiling a lot of wealth for himself and not caring for his neighbor, When he had a conversation with that rich young ruler, Jesus said, go and sell everything and give to the poor, then come follow me. Because Jesus knew what the rich young ruler's heart was tied to. The only other person that gave everything 
out of their pocket was this widow. And she wasn't asked to give everything. She went above and beyond what God had asked His people to give. She was moved to give. Truly, the only other person in the entire Gospels that gave everything, who went all in, that was Jesus on the cross. He went all in and surrendered Himself and gave His all that we may have all of Him. Because He doesn't give His heart in pieces. He gives His heart in whole. And so, percentage matters. It's a freeing thing for you and me. And it's a freeing thing for all of us. And with that, Paul actually had to teach the Corinthian church about this idea of giving, and particularly generosity. At the Corinthian church, they were a group of new believers. They had no... I don't know, they had no point of reference with God. Paul came to Corinth as well as other people, and they built the church by bringing people to Christ. These are pagans who lived in a pagan world, who walked by pagan rules, and here they learn the gospel, receive the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they become new believers. And there's a whole heck of a lot that Paul had to sort out in their life. And this is one of them. See, the Corinthian church started to get stirred in their own hearts for the Jerusalem church. Ground zero for, for us, for our faith. That Jerusalem church was hurting. They were struggling financially. People were all scattered around, and we have the apostles right there. They're struggling. And so they were moved. The Corinthian church was moved in their heart to give to the Jerusalem church. And Paul said this, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 12 and 13. He says, For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has. Right? According to what one has. Not according to what one does not have. Again, you can't give out of what you do not have. You give out of what has been given to you. You give out of the proportion that has been given to you by God. But then he follows it up. He says, Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed. In other words, you can't fix a needy situation and create another needy situation with generosity. Right? This is not talking about the tithe. This is specifically about generosity. Don't fix a needy situation and create a needy situation. No, 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 no. But that there may be equality. So out of your plenty, he continues later, you give generously. That's your generosity. In other words, the reasonable portion principle says this. Give God enough that you've honored Him. Give Him enough that you've honored Him. And keep enough to take care of your needs. When you give to honor God, you essentially are trusting Him that He's going to take care of your needs. Reasonable portion. It's a reasonable portion principle because it's reasonable. It's not unreasonable. God's not trying to be unreasonable with you or me. 
He wants you to honor him. Again, he first looks at the heart. Should be an honoring gift to him. And so, with that, we go back to our buddy Travis, who said, I don't know what it is. I thought when I first read it, I I told Matthew this, I, I thought when I first read it, I would do it, but I don't know what it is. But then when I re-looked at it, and it says, I don't know what it is. Well, what is a tithe? What does it mean? Where does it come from? Where does it get established? And how does it impact us today? Well, the tithe tradition. This is an ancient tradition. It's an old tradition. And essentially, it's all about honoring God by giving back to God from what He has given you. Again, back to that Deuteronomy text. We'll see that here in a minute. The tithe tradition is an ancient tradition. Again, back when the Israelites were coming out of captivity, when they were redeemed and delivered, and God freed them, He started to establish things for them in their life. How to deal with humanity. How to deal with each other. How to relate with God. And how those things connect. And one of the ways was worship. With Moses and the Israelites, God said, hey, when you come into the land, this is in Leviticus, chapter 27, verse 30 and 32. When you come into the land, a tithe, there's that word, a tithe of everything from the land, whether it's grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord, a tithe. It's holy. And he says, the entire tithe of the herd and the flock You mean animals? Yeah. Grain? Yeah. Fruit? Yeah. I asked last week, how many farmers do we have in this congregation? There were about two or three of you that raised your hands. For us, the fruit of our labor, for the majority of us, it's a paycheck, right? Now, I know that folks raise goats and those types of things in our congregation. They have horses. They have farmland, but for the most part, the fruit of our labor is is the, the paycheck each week or every other week or every month. God established here, he said, a tithe of everything that you have from your labor. That tithe precisely means tenth. One tenth of everything. Notice he says every tenth animal that passes under the shepherd's rod will be holy to the Lord. Now, in case you think I'm just preaching at you, guess what? It comes back at me, too. Watch this. The Lord said to Moses, He said to Moses, Numbers chapter 18, Speak to the Levites. Now, the Levites, these are those ancient priests, those ancient pastors of the people. And the way it worked was, the Israelite people would bring their tithe, their tenth, to the Levites, and they would care for that. But the Lord said to Moses, you tell those ancient priests, you tell those pastors of the people, and say to them, when you receive from the Israelites the tithe, their tenth, I give you as your inheritance, you must present a tenth of that tithe as the Lord's offering. No one's exempt, not even the pastor. Right? Not even me. Not even Matthew. You bring a tenth 
of that tenth, and you honor the Lord with that as well. It's all about honoring God with what He's given you. And so, some of us might say, you know, I know it happened with Moses, but is it really of the Old Covenant? Well, it actually happened well before Moses. Father Abraham, or according to Jacob, it would be grandfather Abraham, grandpa. This started with Abraham. See, Abraham had to rescue his nephew Lot from a king, defeated that king. And another king, who was also a priest of the Most High God, priest of Yahweh, the one we worship, that priest blessed Abraham. And as a result of that blessing on Abraham from that priest, you know what Abraham did? Genesis 14, 21 says, Then Abraham gave him, Melchizedek, king of Salaam, priest of the Most High, a tenth, a tithe, a tenth of everything. We don't know where Abraham learned this. Maybe he got it from his dad. Maybe he learned this from God. We're not sure. But he was so moved, and he gave a tenth. Somehow, this got passed down into the family. Because Abraham's the father of Isaac. And Isaac's the father of Jacob. Meaning, Jacob is Abraham's grandson. Notice what happens when Jacob actually has a real experience with the living God. It happened at Bethel. He was traveling. He laid down, put a rock under his head to make a pillow. I don't know. Apparently, Mr. Pillow wasn't around at that point in time. A rock for a pillow doesn't make any sense. That's, that's squirrel. Sorry. Tangent. So Jacob lays down and has a vision. And in this vision... God speaks to him the same promise that he gave to Abraham. I will make your descendants like dust. The people of the earth will be blessed because of you. And when Jacob comes out, wakes up, he says this. He says, Genesis chapter 28. Then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me, and I will watch over, and he will watch over me on this journey. I am taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear. Provide my needs, right? So that I can return safely to my father's house, referring to Isaac. Then the Lord will be my God, and this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be, my, be God's house. And watch what he says. And of all that you, God, give me, I will give you a tenth. Percentage matters to God. The reasonable portion principle is that we give out of what God has given us, and that giving is is 10%. It's a tithe. Many in the church, I've had many conversations with people, and it's like, well, that's Old Testament. That's Old Covenant. Jesus doesn't talk about this does and it's a very scathing conversation watch what he says this is between the teachers of the law and the pharisees the pastors and the religious people of the day 
right? He says this. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees. You hypocrites. I don't like to hear that. He says, you give a tenth of your spices. Mint, dill, cumin. But you've neglected the more important matters of the law. Justice, mercy, faithfulness. A clear reference to Micah chapter 6-8, where God says, these are what I require of you. That, you act justly. That, you love mercy. And you walk humbly before your God. Remember, honoring God. He said, you should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. Meaning, you should have been acting justly. Living justly. Being the voice for the voiceless. Enacting mercy on those that need mercy. And walking humbly before your God. Being faithful to Him. But also, you should have also given your tenth. It's a both-and situation. Be merciful. Be humble of heart before your God and other people and bring justice. But also, honor the Lord with that portion, that reasonable portion that He has entrusted to you. It's a both-and situation for Jesus. And the early church, this continued through the early church. You read the first several chapters of Acts, People are moved to give to the church so that the church can move and do the things that they were charged to do. And this tradition continues today. We obviously don't pass the plate of guilt anymore. Um, it's an awkward moment, isn't it? But we do have joy boxes and we provide ways for you to honor the Lord. But it's all about Honoring the Lord out of what He's given to you with that tenth. And it's a reasonable portion. If God had asked us to divide things the way we divide things, for instance, if we go into court and we take one another to court, I want half. Give me my half. God probably say, sweet, go ahead. I'll take my half then. That'll be good. But he doesn't do that. It actually is all of his, right? The 100% is his. He could easily turn tables and say, give me 90 and I'll, you keep the 10 and I want you to survive and live off of 10. But he doesn't do that. Within this, it's gracious. It's reasonable. It's workable. He says, give me ten, honor me with your ten, and I want you to take care of you and your family and the bills and the food and the medications and all those other things that you need to deal with with the 90. Trust me with this. But not only honor me with the ten, honor me with the 90. It's all about honoring the Lord with all that we have. Last week we had our sermon in the sack moment where somebody brought in a 
styrofoam gourd for our sermon in the sack. And I talked about the first fruits of giving, right? That was the only thing I could think of in the moment. But it comes out of several places, but one of the places that it comes out of is Proverbs chapter 3. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Bring your best. Bring it first. And trust God with the rest. It's really what he's saying. Honor me with the best. I actually learned something just recently about hay. And I appreciated that conversation. I had no idea. Hay, the, the most tender crop, please correct me if I'm wrong, the most tender crop of hay is the first crop, isn't it? It has the most nutrients, and it goes further, right? It goes further than all the rest of the hay through the season. That's the best. That's the first fruit, right? Over the course of the remaining of the year, the last crop has the least amount of nutrients. It doesn't go as far. You have to eat more. He's saying... Bring the tender hay. Hey, bring the tender hay. And watch what I do with the rest of it. Honor me with the first fruits. There was a moment that is often quoted by pastors in a very scathing way. I'm not going to do that. I don't do that to you. I don't twist your arm. Pastors will quote this from Micah or from Malachi chapter 3, verse 9 and 10, and, and, and it's very scathing. It was scathing to the Israelites because somewhere along the way, what God established back with Moses was forgotten. It wasn't passed down, it wasn't lived on, it wasn't acted in. And God was having a conversation through Malachi, the prophet, to the, the people. And he said, yo, you are robbing me of everything. You've robbed me. Well, how do we rob you? Well, he, then he says, in your tithes, in the tenth, and in the offerings, above and beyond the tenth. In the tithe and the offerings, you have robbed me. He says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Then watch what he says. This is not a health and wealth gospel. We don't preach that. We preach Jesus Christ crucified. Meaning, there will be pain and suffering in your own life when you follow Jesus Christ. It's not a health and wealth gospel. But he says this, Bring the whole tithe in the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see, watch, when you do this, watch what I do. When you honor me with this, watch what I do with what you have. He says, see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have enough room for it. He's not necessarily just talking monetarily, folks. Blessing comes in a lot of different forms, particularly the presence of God. But he does say, test me and see. Test God and see. 
We trust Him with the 90. We'll watch and see what happens. Honor me. Now, I'm pretty sure none of us in this room like to be disrespected or dishonored. God doesn't want that either. That's why we, on the front end of every service, it's all about worship. Every aspect of this service is worship. Worship actually is our lifestyle. It goes into the very choices that we make. But on the front end of the service, we design it in such a way that we lift Him and praise Him and honor Him with our whole self. It's all about honoring the Lord. Now, you, you remember that guy, Travis, that I mentioned in the beginning who didn't know what tithe was? Hey, Travis, congratulations. You know what tithe is, man. There you go, bro. Yeah. Um, Matthew and I, on Thursday, in my office, we were having conversation um, in the midst of all his meetings and life and all this stuff. Uh, he had a break, and we, we just were talking about the movement of God among this congregation specifically. Now, I know meeting with community members and other pastors in our, in our community, the movement of God is, is, is happening in a lot of other churches in our community. It, it's phenomenal. It's not only happening in the churches, it's happening outside the churches. But he and I were specifically talking about the movement of God in our people and how amazed that we are, specifically, particularly in our teenagers. I don't know what that is, but just stay with me. And then he, he started to share with me about how there's a symbol in our youth group that has actually kind of become a pivot point, a launch point for our, our teenagers. And it's this t-shirt called Engage. It, it has the student ministry on the backside, and it has Engage, Engage with people, Engage with God, Engage with culture. And this has somewhat become a rallying point for our youth group. He said on any given Wednesday night, you'll see three, four, five teenagers with this t-shirt. And it, it, it has become a rallying symbol of what's really going on underneath, what God is doing in their life. We have teenagers owning, coming to faith and teenagers owning their faith. And then he shared a story with me that absolutely... I went, uh, my eyes welled up. And he said, hey, um, Travis, you know that guy that didn't know what tithing was? He came to, uh, came to three students in our youth group who didn't have these tees. Wanted to give them 20 bucks so that they can buy the t-shirts and wear the t-shirts. Remember, he's a new believer. He's never met God before until August. Right? Those teenagers graciously declined. Nah, that's okay. Well then, Travis, being creative, pivoted. Went to Matthew the next week. Said, Matthew, here's 20 bucks. Give him the t-shirts. Folks, 
when you come and have a living relationship, a genuine experience with the living God, something supernatural happens with you. Something that isn't natural for you happens inside of you. The supernatural becomes natural almost because God is imparting Himself in you. And you genuinely do as God does. This has never been modeled to Him. It wasn't modeled to me as a new believer. But this naturally became an outpouring of a living, genuine relationship. An experience with God that continues. It wasn't just in the moment. It continues to happen. With that said, the teenagers, the, the group of, of ten, specifically, and Matthew, um, and Brittany, and Noah, I'd like for you guys to come down, please. Come on down. The price is right, Bob. Come on down. Uh, yep. Spread yourselves amongst the people here. Now, none of these, none, none of these teenagers knew that I was doing this, and, and this is probably really uncomfortable. But the tithe is always connected to the mission, right? Money, finances, in our life should always be connected to the mission. When you give your tenth, when you give your tithe, it gets connected to the mission. Now there are ten teenagers standing up here that went to camp, and some of them that weren't able to go to camp. Ten of those teenagers went to camp, right? 50%, percentage matters, right? 50% of these teenagers went to camp and experienced the Lord in community, in prayer, in investment. Because you were generous. Not tithe, but generous. You went above and beyond the tithe like the widow and her mites. You were generous. I talked with my sister uh, this past week. There's been a lot going on in my family. And because of that, we've actually been sharing lots of stories. My sister uh, went to on a mission trip way back in the 80s. Um, and it was funded. One, there's this couple, the Thorntons, Deanie Thornton, actually from Xenia Nazarene, just passed away this past week. And it was raw for my sister. Because when my sister was a teenager, like this group right here, um, she wanted to go on this mission trip to California. And so the Thorntons said, okay, we'll help you fund it. Come to our place. They're farmers. And you are going to do the backbreaking work of clearing out our fields of all the rocks. So all three of them cleared the fields of their rocks, took her out to lunch, and then then went back to the fields and worked all day. 
they partially funded her to go on to this mission trip to California. And on that mission trip to California, that's when God started working in my sister's life. When she came back from that mission trip, camp, summer camp, was about to happen. And she found out that that camp was paid for completely. Had no idea who it was. And it was at camp, what God started on that mission trip, solidified in her life at camp. Years later, she found out that it was Deanie and Meryl Thornton who helped fund her trip. She had a life-changing experience with God because of someone's generosity, right? 50% of these teenagers went to fall retreat because of your generosity. Now, if your name is Brittany and Noah, please raise your hand. Yahoo! Yeah, you can applaud. We love them. They're good people, right? We're applauding you just for being you, right? So Brittany is fairly new to Wapak Nash. She's just started here back in, in uh, July, along with her sisters and her mom. And Noah, um, you might remember this guy. You know a guy. Uh, this is Noah. He was our summer intern. Both of them go to Mount Vernon Nazarene University as college students, right? Matthew had a speaking engagement at one of the university's classes. And he said, you know what, I'm going to connect with Noah and I'm going to connect with Brittany. And so he connected with them on the college campus, university campus. And then he said, hey, I'd like for you, if you're willing, to come to, to fall retreat. And I want you to invest in our teenagers. Really, Matthew just didn't want to do his job. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. No. No. <laughs> totally kidding. So, there it is. Key to a great leader's delegation. I will remind you of that conversation later, Nikki. No. Um, and so, they, they, said, they said yes. How they got to fall retreat, one of the things that I learned as a youth leader at Zemi Nazarene under the youth pastor I imparted to Matthew. He said, any time that you are asking someone to go away for a weekend to invest in our teenagers, whether they're college students, because you guys are rich, right? Absolutely. You're rich in character and love, not in dollars. But any time that you have somebody who's investing, takes their time, takes their weekend, whether they've called off of their work and taken some vacation days or whatever, we pay for them. They don't pay for it. So we have two college students, one that doesn't even go to this church, right, but is still a part of this family. Two college students that invested their time because, why? Because of your tithe. Because of your tenth that you have given over the course of however long you've been. So I first want to say thank you. Thank you so much for honoring the Lord with your tenth 
with your tithe. Thank you for honoring the Lord by being generous and going above and beyond so that five of these students who probably wouldn't be able to go were able to go and experience an awesome time, but they got to experience the Lord. This is just the tip of the iceberg, ladies and gentlemen. So, from the bottom of my heart as a pastor and as a follower of Jesus Christ, thank you. Thank you for honoring Him because it first starts with the heart. It's not the hand. It's the heart. What you do with the hand is representative of what is done in your heart and your relationship with the Lord. So I want to say thank you. Happy thanks for giving. Heavenly Father, I thank you for these teenagers right here. You know, this morning we had a group of kids that are upstairs right now, jumping up and down, and they've learned a lot about you, but these teenagers right down here, God, you were stirring things in their life and in their heart. And some of the teenagers that are sitting out here and some of those that are upstairs serving, you're stirring something great in their life. Father, may they receive what you are doing. May they not become domesticated, but may they have untamed faith in Jesus Christ. May they be unleashed. May they set the example for us, for the seasoned vet, and for the new believer. God, will you break out in this place and in this people and in this community? And may what happens in the hearts and the minds of your people just overflow and pour out into our community. Because we do not exist just for ourselves. We are here to be used by you, to glorify you, to raise you up, and to share your love, your grace, your mercy, your justice. Lord, I love you and I thank you. From here on out, may your people here at Wapak Manus just continue to honor you. It's in your name, Jesus, that we ask these things today. Amen. Will you please stand? Did you guys have an awesome time at camp or a fall retreat? Did you guys make some new friends? Would you do it again? All right, Matthew, raise your hand because you look like a teenager amongst these. <laughs> um, Matthew, if you're interested, there's always summer camp. There's always fall retreat. And there's NYC Nazarene Youth Council. What is this? Convention. Conference. I don't know. Acronyms. Again. We talk about things that people think they know, right? <laughs> if you are ever so moved to be generous and say, you know what, Lord, I want to fund one of these teenagers to go to either camp or NYC or fall retreat. Matthew, who looks like a teenager amongst teenagers, this is the guy you want to talk to right here. May you love the Lord your God with all your heart 
with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Please, love your neighbor as yourself. And you have an awesome, blessed day. Go Bengals. See you guys. Thank you for listening to the Wapak Nas podcast. We hope you are moved deeply to step into God and the hope and future he has for you. And that you are moved to be salt, light, and yeast in your community and to love people to Jesus.